You're listening to You've Been Hanged, hosted by Hank Griffin, writer, man of faith, Parkinson's warrior, traveling man, and storyteller. Wonderful stories, home cooking, thoughtful lessons, and candor about life with Parkinson's are his to share. Relax for the next several minutes with your friend, neighbor, and brother who loves you. Long day. One that began early and wasn't done yet. In those days, I worked four jobs, ran cattle, and tried my best to help my great-uncle Carl, who was struggling terribly with Alzheimer's disease. I had a strong and uncomfortable sense of not doing any of it very well and worried my little house of cards might just come apart. I always loved velour and air conditioning driving south on one of the two state highways that ran through the heart of beautiful East Texas. I sat comfortably on a velour seat, soft, bathed in wonderfully refrigerated air, traveling south, the East Texas sun, still yellow in those days, even high in the sky before it turned white, burned all that it shone upon. If we don't get some rain pretty soon, we're not going to make enough hay to feed the cows this winter. Never mind how low the pool's getting. On my mind stage, the memory of my great-uncle Carl played out. Work-worn hands brushed silver-white hair from his son and rain-weathered face as he stood on the back porch looking down the hill towards the hay meadow. The too dry and desperately brittle Bermuda grass, though drought-tolerant, nevertheless had limits. Those limits were now being tested. No rain, no hope of rain. The hay meadow was in as fragile a state as I'd ever seen it. Even Uncle Carl expressed rarely having seen a worse drought. My God, I'd hate to have to sell these cows. My elderly uncle continued to stare. I turned my head to give him privacy. He was not given to displays of emotion, but I heard it in his voice and did not wish to embarrass him. I shook my head to clear it. Other thoughts raced in to fill the void. Memories of a pretty girl with dark brown hair laughing beneath a white oak as we picnicked. Job worries. My car needed new tires. Then, back to Uncle Carl. That great pillar of my youth was fading with age and the inexorable ugliness of dementia. He wasn't gone yet, no. Not yet. My great uncle was still in there, still with us, but he was most definitely fading. Tears blurred my vision. I wiped them away, and those that followed flowed more easily down my face as I drove. Alzheimer's sucks. Again, my thoughts turned. Not long before, I'd done something I wasn't altogether proud of. I stole a dog. The stealing part made me ashamed. Despite that, I resolved that if I had to do it over, I'd do it over again. The dog was being horribly abused, neglected, or life was hell on earth. Mixed feelings, shame, and a sense that there might actually be a perverse brightness to my actions. You're justifying your wrong behavior, I thought. Then I remembered back to the awful conditions in the falling ice in which I'd first seen her. No shelter from the inclement weather, no food, no liquid water, no way to get warm unlikely to have made it through the night alive. Shut up, I said aloud to the voice in my head. Thoughts of the little blue-haired dog, Prissy, was her name, made me smile. 
She was the run of her litter. Prissy was some 18 pounds, having fattened up from the pitifully underfed 14 pounds she weighed when I brought her home. Those four pounds made a world of difference. Her fur was sky blue, mostly, with far darker blue patches. The dog was smart, every bit as smart as some folks and a whole lot smarter than others. She moved as silent as thought, had a mouth full of needle-like teeth, and had decided I was okay after a mildly rocky start. She liked regular meals. She liked having a safe, warm home. Prissy and I were becoming good friends. I just wished Uncle Carl liked her better, I said aloud. He didn't dislike my dog. I think he was disappointed that I kept her name. What kind of name is Prissy? He asked. Give her a better name than that. Why not name her Blue? He asked again. She's old enough that she knows her name, I said. I don't see any point in making her learn a new name. Prissy. Uncle Carl repeated the name in a way that suggested it didn't taste very good to him. The little blue-haired dog seemed to genuinely like the old man. She was courteous and respectful of him. I know he saw that. Again, I was purposeful in clearing my mind. Reaching towards the radio, I powered it on. The local AM station played the news. Before long, a segment on happenings in the county came on. The announcer encouraged everyone to choose a church and attend it regularly. He made it clear that it didn't matter to him which one. Just choose one and go was the message. He read a list of meeting dates and times for various local organizations, the Lions Club, the Elks, the Rural Women's Organization, and one of Beautiful's Masonic Lodges. My thoughts turned to the Masonic Lodge in the small town north of the farm. That lodge and the other lodges I knew of in Beautiful were often in my thoughts. What is it that they even do? I wondered. My turn approached. The state highway became a farm-to-market road. Before long, the farm-to-market road became a white rock road, then a dirt road, and then, just as one couldn't drive any farther, the driveway to the farm. Having parked, I applied the parking brake, removed my keys from the ignition, opened the door, and exited my car. Such heat! Good grief! This is miserable! I thought. Then considered, but it's real. Such things have always mattered to me. I took a deep breath, bracing myself against what I might find once I stepped inside the house. Every day was difficult for Uncle Carl. It was hard to manage, coming to terms with the dramatic change in my hero and his diminished capacity. Whap, whap, whap. I heard the sound of the screen door bouncing close, looked up and saw Uncle Carl hurrying down to concrete steps from off the back porch. Thank goodness you're back, he said. The damn bull is in the hay meadow, and I can't get him out. I've nearly killed myself trying. I need you to help me get him out of there before he runs the whole crop. I turned, looked down the hay meadow, but couldn't see the bull. Where? I, I don't see him, I said. He's in there. I turned again to look at my uncle. His old eyes were clear. He demonstrated no confusion. It was good to see him so present and clear. Why don't I get the little dog, I asked. No, no, leave her here. She'll just make things worse, he said. You know she's a cattle dog. She's never been trained. You think she might have some natural talent? I think we should leave her here, he said. Yes, sir. With that, we headed towards the hay meadow. 
the old bull, a truly enormous red devil of a beast with pointed horns on either side of his awful head was mean by nature. Uncle Carl and I worked hard, trying our best to drive him from the hay meadow, but the monster was having none of it. He stamped his hooves, lowered his head, and charged first at me, then at Uncle Carl. I knew I had to get my aged uncle out of harm's way. He's gonna trample the whole hay meadow at this rate. Uncle Carl was visibly upset at the prospect of such a loss. Uncle Carl, I'm gonna go get the dog. I thought sure he'd argue. Instead, he nodded, and I saw the exhaustion on his face. Racing up the hill from the hay meadow towards the house, the brittle brown Bermuda grass crunched with every step. At the house, I called to my little friend with a whistle. Prissy, come on. The blue healer appeared with a toothy grin on her little face. She seemed uncertain whether or not she was being invited to come with. This is your big moment, I said. Let's go. Together, we raced back down the hill from the house towards the hay meadow. The burning sun continued its westward journey. I knew that before long it would set, and if we didn't have the bull out of the pasture when dark came, it would be a more serious problem. Prissy looked up at me, and I saw happiness on her face, grinning her tongue hanging out of her mouth and waving alongside her as she ran. My heart warmed towards her, and I couldn't help but share in her glee. We passed through the barbed wire fence and approached the bull. He stamped his hooves, lowered his head, and snorted. The little dog showed him her mouth filled with teeth and looked at me. Not knowing what else to say, I commanded, Get that bull! Prissy growled at the bull. If he didn't weigh 2,500 pounds, then he didn't weigh anything. She, on the other hand, as I said before, was all of 18 pounds. The two faced off. Each lowering their heads, he snorted. She barked. He pawed the ground and charged her. Just then, I, I knew I'd made a mistake. I saw the terrible old bull charging my little friend and knew that very soon, I'd have to bury her. My blood ran cold and I berated myself. Why did you do this? Why are you so... Prissy leapt into the air right towards the bull's face. Having arrived at what was apparently her destination, she bit his sensitive nose and held on tight. If I didn't expect this, it soon became clear that the awful old bull never imagined that it was even a possibility. He bawled in pain, swinging his great head left, then right. The little dog hung on for all she was worth and was swung along in every direction. The bull screamed in rage, howled in pain. He threw his head up and down again. At that, the little dog lost her grip, hit the ground, and rolled several yards. Dead, I thought. The bull seemed to assume likewise. Without even coming to a stop in a roll, Prissy, now obviously not dead, jumped up smiling. Her brightest, broadest smile, her eyes immediately found her adversary and flashed. The bull charged the little dog, did so knowing her tactic. He would not permit her to jump into his face again. Just as he neared her, intending to run my friend over, Prissy, full of surprises, ran around behind him. She bit an exposed and sensitive heel on one of his back legs. The bull tried to kick but missed as my little blue-haired friend dodged and bit the other exposed heel. The bull wheeled to face the dog. She bit his nose before he knew she was even there, then ran around and bit his heels again. The bull stomped, charged, screamed, raged, turned, wheeled, turned again, and then did something I never thought I'd see, something I never even dreamed of. 
he turned and ran. The great and terrible bull, all of 2,500 pounds, raced away, fleeing the 18-pound run of the litter who pursued him with intent. I cheered, then gasped. The bull raced towards the barbed wire fence. I knew very well that if that devastating mass hit the fence at such speed, it would tear yards of it from the ground, fence posts and all, and almost certainly break several strands of barbed wire. No, 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 I shouted, desperate to avoid that awful catastrophe. If the fence were damaged in that way, it'd be impossible to keep the whole herd out of the hay metal, and the winter's hay would certainly be lost. Not the fence! Not the fence! Just as the terrible old monster was about to impact the fence that protected the hay meadow, he instead leapt into the air, and time slowed. It was as though the bull took flight. He leapt into the air with such grace. It was almost beautiful and entirely surreal. As he glided through the air, he was less the terrible old bull and of a sudden very like a lovely gazelle. He flew over five strands of barbed wire and a post without so much as nearly grazing even the topmost wire or tip of the posts. All three of us stopped what we were doing, old man, young man, and little blue-haired dog, frozen in place, staring, aghast, disbelieving the sight before us. The bull cleared the fence, and time resumed its normal flow. He landed, and the ground shook. It literally shook with the impact of his landing. When I think back on it, I'm certain I heard something that could only be described as a great crack of thunder though there wasn't a cloud in the sky. Finding himself reunited with the earth, the bull did not stop, no. He ran full speed from the hay meadow, past the gully, between the pool and the sassafras grove and beyond the cedar trees, on the other side of the pool to the very farthest corner of the pasture, away from the hay meadow and the little blue-haired dog who just introduced him to real terror and abiding fear. Prissy, looked toward the fleeing bull a final time, then trotted over to me. Uncle Carl also walked to join us. When she got to me, my little friend jumped from the ground and into my arms. I caught her, and she commenced to lick in my face. She was delighted. Couldn't be any happier. When Uncle Carl joined us, I saw the same feelings on his worn face. Thou art nemesis, I said. Retribution made manifest. Why, I'd have never thought it, Uncle Carl began. I never would have believed it. That evening, we ate pork chops and fried potatoes and onions for our supper. I made no comment when from the corner of my eye, I saw Uncle Carl surreptitiously feeding Prissy choice bits from his own plate. It was clear then, and in the following days, that she had earned his respect and affection. It was on that occasion I learned no problem, no monster is too big to face, especially when we're willing to both call on and also lend a hand to our friends. Much love, Hank. You've been Hanked. Thanks for listening to You've Been Hanked. If you enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor. Like, share, subscribe, and comment. It's easy and really makes a difference. Please help Hank help others by increasing the reach of You've Been Hanked.